Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Season 3, Episode 44, ladies and gentlemen, the Daily Intermission Podcast. For my close friends listening, they know that 44 fires me up was my high school hockey number. We're back. What a week in sports it has been. I mean, we look around the NHL, and it is just mayhem with the trades going down. Lots of news in the NBA. The golf world's got a little bit of feud going on. A little bit, I should say, a lot of feud going on. And we got the first Formula One uh, race of the year, and we got the return of the greatest fighter of all time in the UFC, John Jones. We got a lot to get into. But ladies and gentlemen, we got to start things off by shouting out our sponsor, Manscaped. Guys, spring has sprung. These guys serve eight over 8 million men worldwide with their Platinum Package and their Lawnmower 4.0. It is the best below-the-waist grooming kit on the planet. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code TDI for 25% off, for 20% off, sorry, and uh, free shipping. Listen, guys, I talk about it every episode, and if you're, if you're listening and, and uh, things are a little overgrown, we'll say, make sure you head over to Manscaped. Get things cleaned up. It's, uh, you know, it's really, you know, it's a long-term purchase and, and um, you know, you can use it all over the body. So it's a great grooming kit. Head over to manscaped.com, code TDI. So in the pregame show, I, I mean, episode 44, I had to, uh, I'm going to tell a story from my high school hockey, maybe my fondest high school hockey memory. So if you guys are unfamiliar with Glenn Murray, I think Glenn Murray doesn't get enough love, but Glenn Murray was kind of the, he was, he's a legendary Nova Scotian NHL player. He grew up in Nova Scotia. Uh, on the South Shore, and uh, he played for the Boston Bruins. I think he had a few 40-goal years. I'm just going to look up his stats quickly, uh, just so I don't uh, disservice Glenn at all. Um, again, probably something I should do um, pre, uh, pre-recording, but... Yeah, so he had a, he had a, he had a 35, a 44, 32-goal season. I mean, 92-point season. Um, you know, Glenn Murray was a great hockey player. Um, it really was uh, over a thousand games in the NHL. So anyway, he was a longtime Boston Bruin, like I said, from Nova Scotia, and um, he he hosts. They call it the Glen Murray Invitational, a tournament on the South Shore in, in high school. So that was in my grade eleven year, and I was just kind of coming into my own in terms of my body and, and my size. And I had a great tournament, and I ended up winning the um, the uh, defenseman of the tournament or whatever. But um, all that besides, I got to meet Glen Murray. Uh, he handed out the awards. Uh, at the tournament, and, and uh, it was the first team All Star, so I still got I've still got the mini stick. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, he signed a, a Boston Bruins mini stick for me. Uh, I'll just hold it up now. Um, so Glenn Murray signed Boston Bruins mini stick, and yeah, a lot of my a lot of my dominant sports days were wearing 44. So um, the high school hockey league where I'm from, it wasn't very good. You know, I, I played um, you know high level hockey until. Um, my young years of my high school where I decided to kind of play football as well and, and dive into other sports. And then I just played high school hockey. It was, you know, we got big sellout crowds and 
uh, it was a fun thing to do, but um, kind of the private the privatized system in hockey, as you know, I was gaining popularity uh, when I was going through those times. So, um, you know, kind of the, the junior A route, the QMJHL route was, was kind of gaining popularity. A lot of the good players went there. So as I, as I played in the high school hockey, it, it just deteriorated in skill and it was really fun to, to go out and play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, meeting Glenn Murray was definitely, uh, you know, a really phenomenal experience for me. Him getting to watch me play was awesome. But uh, the story of, of, of wearing 44 comes from a Boston Bruin as well. I was a big Bobby Orr. Well, I, I didn't watch Bobby Orr, but my family was a big Bobby Orr supporter, loved Bobby and his, uh, and his time in Boston. So uh, my brother, my little brother and I always used to love wear, wearing four. But when I played high school hockey, there was an individual on in the team that wore four. So I couldn't get the number, so I took 44. Um, it goes without saying, if you're wearing 44, you got to have a little grit to your game. Um, it's just, it, it, it just comes with the territory. You can't be a soft guy out there wearing 44. It's just, it's just kind of an unwritten rule in hockey. If, you, if you're, if you're going to be supporting 44, you got to get in the dirty areas and you got to make sure that you're taking a few PAMs. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great memories from the high school hockey story. It wasn't obviously an overly captivating story, but that was, uh, you know, when I get to meet Glenn Murray, obviously a, a great Bruin and, um, you know, 40 goal scorer in the NHL in Nova Scotia. And so that was a special one for me. Uh, all right, folks, we've got a busy episode with sports ahead. We've got quarter one, we could talk about the NHL. Quarter two, we've got some NBA action. Quarter three, we've got some PGA Tour, a little bit of Lee Westwood tweeting action. And quarter four, like I promised, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Formula One from what I've garnered, and it's going to be a very novice-level Formula One preview, and then we've got some MMA to talk about as well. But my goodness, the trade deadline has just been maybe the, the most wild trade deadline as I can remember. Um, you know, we look around and the Eastern Conference has just been, you know, it's it's a term that's been thrown around a lot in the media. It's a it's an arms race. A lot of teams in the East are stacking up. Some Western Conference teams have made some moves as of yesterday, but we're not even down to deadline day. And it seems like there's just, uh, is there any more moves to make? Well, we'll see. I think some teams aren't done. But before we get into that, Connor McDavid. McJesus is absolutely humming. He's had five straight multi-goal games. He now has 118 points, 52 goals in 62 games. It is honestly outrageous what this guy's what this guy's doing. I mean, he's at 52 goals, so he's got we got 20 games left on the season. Can he get to 70 goals? I think that might be out of reach. We'll see. Um, but definitely 60. I mean, 100% going to be a 60-goal season, just a very special season right now for Connor McDavid. I mean, you'd have to think he's going to be the lock for the Rocket Richard. Um, I don't think David Pasternak can push. At the pace that he's on right now, he's almost locking it up. And 118 points. He almost has 30 points more than his teammate Leon Dreisettle in second. Uh, you can you might as well just you know give him the heart trophy already. It's just what a phenomenal season it has been for Connor McDavid, and you know it continues to show that he is it's his league and and um, you know just tremendous stuff. So five straight multi goal games, 118 points and 52 goals in 62 games. How the fuck are you doing? Dylan Larkin secures the bag. The captain of the Detroit Red Wings signs an eight-year times $8.7 million deal. I think that's a little rich for what Detroit wanted to give him, but he's a guy that's phenomenal. He's a good two-way center. Uh, he absolutely greased the wheels off Brady Kachuk the other night, but he's a, he is a guy that plays with a little ledge. I, I like Dylan Larkin. Obviously, we know his speed uh, from the NHL All-Star weekends, but yeah, D- Dylan Larkin, he's a guy that you want to lock up. I don't think he's the guy you wanted to trade. Um, he'll obviously be there for the next eight years. So Detroit gets it done. They sign their captain to an eight-year, $8.7 million deal. And the Washington Capitals, who have been sellers so far at the deadline, uh, they re-signed defenseman Nick Jensen, who 
flies a little under the radar. I think he's a really good player uh, to a three-year, $12 million deal, just over, it's like a 4.08 AAV. So uh, the Capitals re-signed defenseman. Obviously, the Red Wings re-signed Larkin. Connor McDavid's been on a tear. Just some headlines before now. Okay, so there's a lot to get into. There's been a lot of movement. I'm not going to include every trade that's went down because some of them are of a smaller stature than others. But the trade deadline has been absolutely outrageous. It has been the busiest I've ever seen it. There's been content left, right, and center. Um, and the team that's been at the forefront of it is is obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, you know, beginning with that O'Reilly and a cherry deal, you thought, okay, that's a solid deal. And, um, you know, I didn't know if they were going to go beyond that, but oh my fuck, did they ever go beyond that? So they acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks in return for a first, second, Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolev. Gogolev. Uh, so prospect, uh, Joey Anderson, I think he's had a little action this year in the NHL, first and second. Uh, but Jake McCabe, he's a nice defenseman. Um, you know, just a guy who's who's going to be in their their, their rotation and, and uh, plays with a little bit of a grit and... It's just a nice pickup. Uh, and Sam Lafferty, and again, another depth guy, uh, you know, brings brings speed. He's just a nice piece to have in that bottom six. Um, I don't know a ton about Sam Lafferty, but I know that they, he, he, they liked him in Pittsburgh, and he's had a pretty good season in Chicago. So uh, just, you know, a nice... You know, what they're doing is just they're carving out the edges. I think for a long time, Kyle Dubas had this ideology of the, ski, the speed and skill and... Um, you know, maybe I think that their fans and just even from outsiders looking in around the league thought they were a little soft or just, you know, needed a little bit more, uh, needed some role players to, to really, you know, go to war every night and, 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 and bring a little bit more to the game outside of, of, of goal scoring and point getting. And so I think they've done, they've did a great job addressing this with Achari and Lafferty. Um, and then they trade. Rasmus Sundin, their young star defenseman uh, from Sweden, they trade him to Washington for Eric Gustafsson, uh, who's kind of a little underrated. I mean, he's had a 60-point year in the NHL. He's got 38 points in 60-some games this year. He only makes 800K on the books. And they trade uh, Boston's first, and Washington trades Boston's first-round pick, which they received in the Dimitri Orloff deal, back to Toronto. So, again, Toronto addressing their defense. Um, they also go on to a trade for Luke Shen. Um, for, for a third-round pick. So we look at their defense now. They've brought in um, Jake McCabe, Eric Gustafson, Luke Shen. Um, you know, there's there's going to be some odd men out. Trade Sandin. So they've really revamped. It's almost rebuilt their defense core, um, bringing in some size, bringing in some skill. So that's uh, I think that's just a great job by Kyle Dubas. And I will preface all of these trades in the Toronto Maple Leafs by saying, you know, it's going to be unfortunate if they don't get it done in the first round. And it's not going to be due to the fact that they don't have a good enough team or that their 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 GM wasn't making enough moves. It's just the fact that the Eastern Conference is just really tough right now. It just sucks that the window right now that the Maple Leafs are working with, it's there's just a lot of a lot of tremendous teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Boston and Tampa remain just very, very strong teams. You got Carolina and the New York Rangers and the New York the New Jersey Devils. It's just it's just a gauntlet right now, and and uh, they're going to need some bounces. But uh, but you have to you have to give credit where credits due. Kyle Dubas is is really doing his best to make this team as uh, you know as ready as possible uh, to go in and uh, make some noise in the Eastern Conference. And again, they got rid of uh, Pierre Engvall. They traded him to the uh, New York Islanders for a third round pick. And I know a lot of people were hard on Pierre Engvall. That six five guy, he's just soft. He looks like a bobblehead out there. So I know a lot of Leafs fans are probably happy they got rid of Pierre Engvall. But the Leafs, I mean, they've just completely rebuilt their team. And I think it's for the better. And I don't think they're done yet. 
Um, they obviously got that first round pick in the Rasmus Sandin deal. That might be on the move. I think that maybe goaltending depth might be a target, but their team looks nice. I, I will give credit to Kyle Dubas. I, I do like the changes that they've made. Um, it's going to be fun to see uh, what the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, look like, and it's going to take them. They've got a little runway here, about 20 games, to you know get some chemistry flowing, get that room uh, intact. They're going to have to have a team bonding event, You know, get the boys buzzing. Uh, so I think if you're a Leafs fan, you're excited. Uh, you think that this might be the season that uh, they get through the first round and maybe go on a run. But like I said, it's going to be tough. Uh, and one of the reasons it's going to be tough is because the New York Rangers, who acquired Patrick Kane from Chicago. Uh, so obviously a lot of the bargaining power was in the hands of Patrick Kane. He had a no-move clause. It sounded like he was willing to go to one place and one place only. It was New York. Uh, obviously, we remember when uh, New York acquired Tarasenko that he was you know verbally fairly upset. But New York makes it happen. They acquire Patrick Kane. And again, this team looks unbelievable. Um, you know, we look at even last year with their Eastern Conference final run. Now they've acquired Tarasenko and Kane to join the likes of Panarin and and Kreider and Zibanejad. And on the back end, you've got Truba, and Wood, and Adam Fox. It's just, it's a great-looking team, man. And Shesterkin between the pipes. Oh, man, it's, uh, the, the, the Rangers are a wagon. They're, uh, it's, in the first round, we're going to lose either Toronto, Tampa, New Jersey, or the Rangers. Or we're going to lose two of those teams, of those four teams, which is just absolutely outrageous. But uh, the Patrick Kane deal, I mean, it's uh, people in New York are going crazy. Uh, uh, Jalen Brunson, star for the New York Knicks last night, rolled in in a Patrick Kane 88 jersey. So, I mean, New York Rangers fans are thrilled. And he'll make his his, uh, debut yesterday night, tonight for me recording, against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, So that's going to be awesome. Can't wait to watch that game. Madison Square Garden is going to be rocking Patrick Kane showtime to the New York Rangers. Edmonton, I was I was intrigued by this deal. So Edmonton, obviously, uh, they don't need goal scoring. They've got uh, two of the uh, more prolific goal scorers in the league, uh, point getters in the league. They've got the two best point getters in the league. Um, they've got a good you know forward depth, uh, forward group. I think they're not done there yet. But they trade for Matthias Ekholm, a solid defender uh, from the Nashville Predators, and they send Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, who from all accounts is a very good prospect, a first and a fourth. So they pay a lot. A king's ransom to get Matthias Ekholm, but obviously they wanted uh, they wanted a defenseman. They wanted a guy who's going to be responsible in his own end, and uh, maybe doesn't have an off, like the, too much offensive upside, but it's just going to be you know a machine in the uh, in the uh, defensive zone. So I don't know why my car dealership's calling me. It's probably because we've got a big snowstorm coming in, and I've got a oil change tomorrow morning. So I'll call them back later. Uh, so Matthias Ekholm to Edmonton for Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer first and fourth. So I mean Nashville, obviously they're tra- they're 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 selling. I mean they got rid of. Nino Niederreiter and and uh, Tanner Janot and now getting rid of uh, Matthias Ekholm. So they're going to look a lot different. Uh, a lot of things moving and grooving. The Los Angeles Kings, this is an interesting one. They trade uh, Jonathan Quick, a first-round pick, a third-round pick for uh, Corpusalo and um, and Gavrikov from Columbus. So we knew that Gavrikov was kind of a defenseman that a lot of teams were targeting. He was on a lot of uh, analyst draft board. Um, and they obviously get uh, Corpusalo, who's a you know a young, nice goaltender. from. Um, so they address the goaltending position from Columbus for you know Jonathan Quick, who won them two Stanley Cops. is just a legend, really. Uh, in Los Angeles. So uh, apparently he's not done yet. I don't think he's going to report to Columbus. I know he's been verbally upset. It took him by surprise. So I think Jonathan Quick, I think the Leafs might be a team that Jonathan Quick um, goes to or, you know, a 
a team that needs some goaltending depth, and that would make a little bit a lot of sense. I know he hasn't had a great year, but he definitely has the playoff pedigree and the playoff experience. So the Leafs, could they acquire a guy like Jonathan Quick? It's going to be interesting. But yeah, in, in return, uh, Corpusalo to the Los Angeles Kings and uh, Gavrikov. So the Kings may be a sneaky team. Uh, they're a team that kind of flies under the radar. Uh, you know, tucked in California, not a lot of, not a lot of media in Canada, but uh, you know they're doing things to uh, bolster for a playoff run. The Avalanche, they always make these sneaky little moves. They acquire Lars Eller for a second-round pick. Lars Eller, great, great kind of middle, middle lineup centerman uh, from the Avalanche, so uh, or to the Avalanche from the Washington Capitals. So the Capitals continue to sell, and Lars Eller to the Avalanche. So, I mean, the Avalanche, again, if they get healthy, if they get Kale McCarr back, they're going to be, and, and if they get uh, their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, back, the Avalanche, I mean, it's gonna they've got to be the clear favorite in the West. Um, Carolina acquires Shane Gostas Bear from the Arizona Coyotes and Yessi Pugliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I think that would be a little underwhelming for a team that's got a lot of cap space if they only get Shane Gostas Bear and Yessi Pugliarvi. Shane Gostas Bear obviously uh, brings a lot of offensive upside um, to, and brings that to their decor. And Yessi Pugliarvi, I'm not a huge fan of him, uh, but obviously, you know, with the connections to Sebastian Ajo. Uh, from their years playing in Finland and uh, on the World Junior team specifically. Uh, So Carolina uh, doing some moves. I think they've got a bigger one around the corner, um, but we'll see. And finally, Jacob Chikrin has been traded to the Ottawa Senators for a first-round pick and two second-round picks. So this is a nice pick up for Ottawa. Obviously, he's got two more years on his deal, I think at $4.6 million. Uh, they've been looking for that, you know, kind of another defenseman to play on their top four. So now they've solidified their top four. Uh, you've got Thomas Shabbat, Artem Zub, Jake Sanderson, and now Jacob Chikrin. Nice-looking top four. Um, so that's a great pickup for the Alba Senators. And first and two seconds, I mean, that's awesome. They've got a ton of prospects. And, and the fact that you didn't have to, to get rid of any prospects in that deal, it's a great pickup. Um, so I'm excited that he'll he'll make his return to uh, New York, or he'll make his debut uh, with the Ottawa Senators tonight versus New York. So that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game. People are going to be excited to watch the Ottawa Senators. So I'm really pumped up for that game tonight. Uh, and Mikhail Grunland uh, heads to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh traded uh, Bluger. Obviously, they waived Caspiary uh, Kapanen, so they made some uh, cap room for a guy like Mikhail Grunland, who I haven't really heard much, too much of. Uh, obviously, uh, a long time Minnesota Wild. He was been playing in Nashville, so. Uh, we'll see what he brings to um, you know the top six of Pittsburgh, but uh, you know they're doing everything they can. Uh, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have been vocal about how um, you know little cap space and little prospects and little draft capital they have to deal with. But I mean, that is just a that is a probably seventy five percent of the deals that have gone down. Uh, there continues to be trades, and and obviously tomorrow's deadline. I said I was going to wait until Saturday morning to release. I thought there's been too much to talk about. Um, but I mean, it's just been unbelievable. I think I talked about the Timo Meyer deal. Obviously, Timo Meyer heading to New Jersey. I didn't. I couldn't remember which trades had happened uh, when I recorded on Monday. But again, yeah, Timo Meyer is heading to New Jersey. So it's just there's just some monster teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Western Conference is, uh, you know, kind of the top teams of of Los Angeles, Edmonton, and and, uh, and uh, Colorado are making some deals, but. I mean, teams are bolstering up for huge runs. They're mortgaging their futures. And uh, the, the, the shitty thing is about um, the NHL is only one team will win the Stanley Cup. So going to be a lot of fun to uh, follow along. And, and just th- this playoffs are shaping up to be just can't miss. These 2023 NHL playoffs are going to be phenomenal. I just had to check down at the uh, at the recording button to make sure I was recording. That's always a worrisome look. 
<clears throat> it's out of my view, the roadcaster. I, I go on about it every episode, but I've got to check in after the first quarter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quarter two, and we're moving into the NBA. John Morant. So obviously I talked about it last month where John Morant, uh, his car was driving by the Indiana Pacers as they were walking out of their stadium. Uh, and there was a red dot coming out of John Morant's SUV kind of pointing at the Pacers vehicles. There was a security guard waking with, the, or sorry, at the, Pacers, at the Pacers players. And there was a security guard walking with the Pacers players. And they identified that to be a gun. So obviously not really has come out about that situation. I'm sure it's still being investigated, but there was a police report uh, released and John Morant was hosting a pickup game at his house last summer. And there was a high school, 17 year old high school basketball player playing. Apparently John Morant ended inbounded the ball to 17 year old with some heat. 17 year old player, you know, responded by throwing it back at John Morant with some heat. And apparently John Morant said, should I do it and beat the guy up and then pulled a gun on him? So this is all in a, a police report that was released yesterday. I don't know what's going on with John Moran. Um, and he's got to be careful because obviously he's got a the opportunity to be a superstar in the NBA for a long time. The Memphis Grizzlies have been relevant for the last few years because of John Moran. But you, know, you don't like him, you know, acting like this outside the court. And, if, you know, you're playing with firearms and you're, you know, playing with, um, you know, violence and, and um, you know, committing crimes. It's not going to be a pretty ending. Um, so we hope that John Morant kind of cleans things up and you hope that maybe some of these storylines are a little bit, uh, you know, misinterpreted or, or, you know, may not tell the full story. So a lot of uh, talk about John Morant around the NBA right now, but LeBron James, I talked about it last episode who I thought the Lakers might make a run and be a playing team and might be able to go on a little Cinderella action. Not going to happen. LeBron James hurt his ankle the other night. He will be missing multiple weeks, and I just don't think that they, without LeBron James, that they can go and be a playing team. They're right in that tenth or ninth position right now, uh, but they're just they're not deep enough right now. And and um, I don't think Anthony Davis can do it on his own. Uh, I think that uh, that narrative might have been different a few years ago, uh, but the Lakers without LeBron James probably going to miss out. And if they get into the plan, I think they get bounced pretty quickly. Uh, LaMelo Ball, star for the Charlotte Hornets, hurt his or broke his leg. It didn't really look that much of a, didn't really look, you know, crazy harmful as it happened, but he'll be missing the rest of the season. I think that's probably a good thing for the Charlotte Hornets because they are definitely a team that's going to be looking for Victor Wimbayama. They are uh, bricking for Vic. Um, so that's good. Uh, obviously, you know, you hate to hear it from a guy like LaMelo Ball. The Ball brothers. The Ball family has really fallen off a cliff. I mean, we never hear from LeVar ever again. I don't know what happened to Big Baller brand. I'm actually going to take a peek at that afterwards to see if I can maybe you know, cop a pair of Big Baller brand shoes for, for a fraction of the price that they used to be. And, uh, and then obviously, LiAngelo, I don't know what he's up to. I mean, he's had a few tryouts in the NBA. But the Ball family, at, at, you know, I would say like four or five years ago, were at the peak of their powers where LeVar was on every talk show going. Um, and, uh, but now LaMelo out for the season and we haven't seen, um, is it Jello? No, Leangelo. What's gosh, what is the guard for the, um, for the bulls? Why can't I think of his name? Anyway, he's been out for the entire year as well. Kevin Durant made his debut last night and Jack Archer, shout out to Archer. He was all over the over, which hit or sorry, he was all over the 10, uh, 10 point spread because they were playing the Hornets, obviously the, the LaMelo ball less Hornets. Uh, and they ended up winning by, uh, I think, uh, a big margin and, and Kevin Durant made his debut scored 23. So this is going to be a time to start to see what this 
Phoenix Suns team looks like. Uh, I think they're going to be a wagon. Um, I think that this is probably the team that's, uh, you know, they're the favorite to win the NBA championship, and now they've got Kevin Durant in the lineup. So that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Durant had 23. I gave out that bet on TikTok as well. Kevin Durant over 20 and a half, uh, and he hit that with 23. He's playing even money too. So that's a nice bet. Uh, the Raptors are starting to heat up. They've won eight of 10. Uh, they're now in a play-in spot. So the Raptors could make a little noise. They're a team that could maybe sneak into the second round. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what the goal is of, from Messiah Jury and Bobby Webster. I mean, we saw that they were buyers at the deadline, but could they make a lot of noise and go on a Cindy? No chance. Uh, but we'll see what happens there um, with the Toronto Raptors. And I wanted to mention uh, Nikolai Jokic. Uh, he becomes the sixth player in the history of the NBA with 100 triple-doubles as a big man. He's just continues to be phenomenal. Um, the Denver Nuggets are a wagon and Jokic is just a, he's must watch TV. He's a tremendous basketball player. I, I always find it hilarious how he ends up his, he'll finish his night with like 15 assists. It's like, he's a big man. It's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think he's well on his way to win three straight MVPs. Uh, I don't really know any guys that are knocking on the door as potential. Uh, maybe Giannis, maybe Jason Tatum, but I don't think, I mean, both of those guys, um, you know, seem to have a little bit more of a supporting cast. I think Giannis would probably be ahead of Jason Tatum right now, but I think, uh, from all accounts, uh, Nikolai Jokic is leading this, this MVP race. Unbelievable. Um, so I wanted to bring up, um, Kobe Bryant and his family. So I'm just checking my phone here. Um, I wanted to bring up Kobe Bryant. So obviously rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, but we all remember his tragic, tragic helicopter crash. Um, gosh, was it in 2020? It must've been, you know, three years ago. Uh, but their family just settled a lawsuit with the County, uh, with Los Angeles County, uh, due to the fact that, uh, the firefighters and some of the police on site released photos to the public. They settled the lawsuit for $28.5 million. So, um, you don't want to say congrats, but, um, the Bryant family will be receiving $28.5 million in, in return to, you know, the fact that, um, those, uh, police officers and investigators were releasing photos of the crash site. Gosh, that was such a tragic moment. I mean, it's still almost shocking that Colby's not with us. And uh, gosh, you feel for the Colby uh, family and, and the young daughter of Colby's that passed in that helicopter and its crash. I mean, I've got a fear of helicopters, I think, now um, due to that crash. I've never been in one, and I don't even think I plan on being in one. Um but yeah, the NBA continues to heat up. We've got about 20 games left, and there's going to be a lot of movement uh, in the playing uh, kind of teams. There's, you know, from that eighth position to 12th position in both conferences, there's a lot of uh, competition. So uh, we'll see what happens in the NBA. We'll continue to monitor things. Uh, a lot of injury talk, but uh, yeah, we're just kind of, we're on the home stretch here. Teams are uh, jockeying for position. We'll see what this playoff race or these playoff picture starts to look like. And we're moving into quarter three. And we've got some PGA Tour action. Before we get into the PGA Tour action, I've got an exciting announcement. So a few weeks ago, I did a Guess the Athlete on TikTok. And I kind of brought in and brought into the picture, into the still photo uh, of my driver. Uh, my, I got a TaylorMade Stealth last year. And I, I kind of reached out to TaylorMade during the video. And I said, listen, I'd love to upgrade my driver anyway. <clears throat> I tagged the wrong TaylorMade. I should have been tagging TaylorMade Canada. I tagged just the TaylorMade uh, verified account, uh, but Taylor made Canada reached out to me via email. Um, their marketing, uh, their head of marketing. And, uh, he said, listen, Greg, we'd love to work with you. Uh, we love your TikTok." He said he'd been following for a while. And he said, um, you know, we can get things started off by, you know, maybe doing a couple driver giveaways, you know, making sure that uh, when I get my golf content going, then I'm all wrapped out in TaylorMade. So I've got hats, gloves, and balls on the way and the new stealth too. 
So I'm fired up. I'm fired up to be team tailor-made. Um, I hope, I'm hoping to, to really assist with some of their social action on TikTok. Um, so I'm fired up. I'm team tailor-made. I'm ready to rock and roll uh, with some new tailor-made gear, and, and we hope uh, that we can get things rocking and rolling. So uh, keep an eye out on the socials for uh, a new driver giveaway. But, I mean, the forgiveness is is on the way to the beginning of the intermission, and, and maybe we'll see if we can get some uh, Tiger Woods action on here soon to talk some uh, talk some golf. Uh, some interesting news, and obviously made headlines yesterday. The PGA Tour approved uh, a to make the designated and, and elevated events uh, a no-cut reduced field uh, in 2024. So this is interesting. Obviously, this kind of is a lot is very similar to the um, to the Live Tour model. It's not foreign to the PGA Tour. I mean, we think about the World Golf Championships that are four year, um, or I guess three of them a year. Uh, one of the World Golf is the match play, but. Um, they are uh, four-day no-cut events with a reduced field of about 80 players. So it's not foreign. I mean, we see these events. Uh, I don't know how I feel. I love the cut events. I love... The reason why I love full field cut events is because you get these storylines like we saw at the Honda Classic last week. And I talked about it like the Monday qualifiers and the guys who have been journeymen who, you know, play four strong days and, and make a paycheck and set themselves up for the, for the rest of their career. Like there's really good storylines that come out of a, of, um, of a cut full field event. Um, but it sounds like <clears throat> it's for the sponsors, it's for the fans. They want the top players being the focal point. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think it's set in stone, but it's certainly looking like that's that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to have a sip of coffee here. <clears throat> so it sounds like that's the route they're going to go, the PGA Tour. Um, Lee Westwood was, was pissed off on Twitter saying, um, you know, I always heard, about uh you know and he, he was just being a sucky baby online um <clears throat> i'm interested to hear about what's going to go on with these live players so the the ratings were released um on uh, uh from the weekend of from live's first golf tournament in the honda classic on saturday the honda classic had 6.2 million viewers 6.2 million for the honda classic 300,000 for the live tour on sunday I think it was around 3 million viewers for the Honda Classic. 200,000 for, for the Live Tour. I mean, the Live Tour is, their ratings are awful. And I, I mean, they're, the Saudi government or the, the, the Saudis that are dishing out this money, there's just no way they're going to continue to do this. I, 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 could, I foresee a massive lawsuit coming down because I don't think the Live Tour is going to be around for long, for much for, for much longer. I don't think people are captivated by it. Although I did get a ton of heat on my Instagram page from the post I had about ripping the live tour and obviously not being a fan of it, it sounded, but I mean, it's just not sustainable. You need, they're just, especially too, I, I, I didn't mention that the Honda Classic had nobody playing. They had like Sung J.M. And, and Shane Lowry were the biggest names and Chris Kirk obviously ended up winning. But like in terms of the star power or the top 20 in the world, there was one player, one or two. Um, so that's uh, unfortunate for the live tour and live fans and people who are thinking that, um, you know, it's going to be a sustainable, uh, model and that this is kind of the new age of golf. It's not. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I'm pumped that the PGA tour knocked, you know, knocked them down in terms of ratings. So obviously this week, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, like I said, I've got a lot of DraftKings on the go, a lot of DraftKings lineups. Uh, I took Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's got a just tremendous record here um, at, uh, at at the uh, Arnold Palmer. And just early on Thursday, we've got Scotty Scheffler minus two through four holes and Victor Hovland minus two through two holes. So back-to-back bird dogs. And we've got Joseph Bramlett. 
First round leader from last week uh, in the lead, Sakit Tagala. Uh, Jordan Spieth's minus one through three. Okay, we're looking good. And, and look, who's played themselves out of it already? Uh, Minwoo Lee uh, from the DP World Tour. Looks like he's going to be an MC Hammer. He's plus three through six. So maybe he can make a big comeback. Um, but yeah, we've got early golf in Florida. Uh, so hopefully you guys are following along with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then obviously we've got the players next week. Um, fired up. Fired up for golf. Just finally, folks, in quarter four, we're going to talk a little bit about um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Bahrain a GP and uh, and John Jones and Cyril gone. Uh, so we get the Bahrain GP uh, in Bahrain. I didn't even know that was a country until I was looking up this uh, Formula One uh, race. So it's the first Formula One race of the year, one of the first of twenty four. Um, and uh, I was looking into it. So Ferrari. Uh, they've placed they placed one two last year. Uh, they've they've been the most successful uh, team at this event. But Lewis Hamilton has won this event five times. So I was like, hmm. I went to the page, looked at the value. So Red Bull is the favorite. Obviously, Max Verstappen at minus one twenty to win this race. But Max, but Lewis Hamilton has won this race five times, plus nine hundred. <sighs> Hit it with ten bucks. 10 bucks to 100 bucks for Lewis Hamilton to win this race. Obviously, the greatest F1 driver of all time. So I'm excited to watch that race now that I've got some money on it. Um, the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, in Bahrain. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, I think it's in the Middle East. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm on Lewis Hamilton at plus 900. Uh, there's no value in Max Verklappen, obviously, front of the show <laughs> uh, for Red Bull. But it sounds like Ferrari is, is um, you know, the best... Uh, best make or they've got that, those those cars have had the most success on this track. Lewis Hamilton has been the best individual driver on this track for Mercedes. Uh, so we're riding Lewis Hamilton plus 900, folks. So get on that bet before Sunday. I think uh, it'd be fun if we uh, Team DI rides uh, Lewis Hamilton plus 900. Uh, and then finally in the MMA, we've got uh, Cyril Gunn versus John Jones. Uh, again, we're going to be cheering for John Jones. People are thrilled that he's back in the octagon. I'm going to be betting on Cyril Gunn at the plus odds. Um, really excited for this fight. I'm pumped. Uh, we'll get the chalkboard humming during that fight. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be invested in this one. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how John Jones looks at the heavyweight uh, division, but I think he's going to come out buzzing. Uh, Patty Pimblet again in the MMA. He announced that he's having ankle surgery. He'll be out till 2023. There's starting. To, there's going to be some content pouring out is again from the Ultimate Fighter with Conor McGregor and and. Um, and Michael Chandler, UFC seems like it's in a really good spot. Um, and, uh, and, and, um, sorry. And, and Dana White seems like he's doing a great job, but, uh, but listen, folks, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. going to put my Glen Mary mini stick back. Um, it's, uh, it's been my pleasure. Um, again, I, I, I've, I've been, I've been busy with the content, busy, just, you know, getting lawyers and getting accountants and just being all over the map. So I've got a guest coming. Uh, I'm hoping to have Pork O'Rourke on, but I'm hoping just to even uh, start uh, reaching out uh, to some of the followers. And I've got Minon Riom who follows on Instagram. I might have to reach out to her. And Trevor Gretzky, who I body bag, maybe he'll come on. But uh, but listen, it's been my pleasure, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. We've got great sports ahead. And uh, make sure you five-star the episode. And we'll be back on Tuesday.